All right, welcome on to the second part of our organization rankings. This is going to be the middle tier, which I guess is not as exciting as the best or the worst teams. So, you know, feel free to not listen to this <laughs> if that's uh, if that's your approach. But You're an incredible gonna... salesman, Nate. <laughs> what a pitch. Yeah, no, well, I, I uh, you're a little sassy after I put you through rookie duties on the NBA <laughs> cast earlier this week, right? Yep, yep. The uh, the, the pink backpack, the, uh, the car full of popcorn, the whole thing. Um, Before we get started, actually, was that something that happened a lot in Memphis when you were there, that guys had to do those rookie duties? We never had a car full of popcorn that I know of. Um, We, we had the... You know, there was the little stuff, the backpacks, the um, I mean, getting stuff for for the veterans before the plane took off. That was probably the biggest thing. Um, And then like, you know, the thing you remember is these guys get fined if they're late. So like he kind of had rookies like (laughs) panic trying to get donut orders for Tony Allen or whatever and not be late for the plane. Um, I I, I could see Tony Allen not being like the most forgiving of rookie duty taskmasters. Yeah. you know, at 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 the end of the day, I mean, they, they, you know, what 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 was like the the hammer that they could drop on a guy? It was just, you know, I'm I'm disappointed in you, but it was just sort of a a ritual to go through to get you know to get their respect a little bit. So, yeah. well, supposedly the pop the popcorn is like that's what happens when you've kind of been giving them a little guff. That seems like that's sort of the tradition. Yeah. So we, I mean, we, we never had that fortunately. Uh, the, the other big one is the rookies always have to sing happy birthday to whoever's birthday it is. Oh yeah. That that's a solid tradition. I'm yeah. For, it doesn't sound like it was too bad for you. Cause for me, I've always felt like having rookies doing stuff where they're getting hazed to the point where it's actually taking up a lot of their time and it, it's already hard. Hard enough to transition into the league that you also have to deal with this shit as as well. Like I, it occurred to me that's not actually good for the organization. <laughs> yeah, it might be suboptimal, right? <laughs> yeah, where these guys are already struggling, and then you also have to to even just like figure out how the hell to yeah. exist in a basketball standpoint, and also to even. Uh, just live as a man if you're you've been you know one year at college and now you're in the nba so i was i always felt like the more extreme versions of that are actually something that were not great for the team but also you're kind of you're probably in the front office you're powerless to really stop that from happening it's a it's a yeah i mean at at some level you just have to let it play out and yeah i mean the coaches are really on the front lines of that more than the front office where the, they're around the team every day they know a little more if somebody's going too far and and can kind of pull a guy aside and say look like this is getting to the point where it isn't cool anymore yeah uh okay well you made it through the nba cast was really fun we had a, a good game um james borrego might not <laughs> agree on that but uh, let's get back now to our organization rankings if you haven't listened to part one i obviously highly encourage you to do that where we both went through our top tens which we are in different orders but i think we we're relatively consistent maybe more so than we were a couple of years ago so uh, i already really discussed my top nine um and i also discussed we, we discussed my number 11 team which was was boston where did you have boston again i had them 16th and I had them in the tier of like the fallen a little bit with, uh, yeah. and we discussed this a little bit last time uh, with with San Antonio, where you know obviously they'd done so much right for so long, but maybe the last couple of years haven't gone quite as well. Yeah, so so I actually have a this is 
quite convenient considering we're doing the middle third this week i have a tier from 10 to 19 boston was number 11 you are are going to recuse yourself uh, from the memphis grizzlies so i could talk about them they were right in this mix for me i didn't see a ton of separation this is kind of the some good some bad uh this whole tier from 10 to 19 but memphis was a little towards the top of there i think they this most recent off season and a couple their start to the year hasn't been incredibly encouraging uh, but uh, and i'll talk a little bit less about them than some others because john can't really respond to this but for me i thought they've done a really nice job rebuilding yes they got a very nice draft pick in john morant that is basically the reason why they're as good as they've been but they hired a really good coach i think that helps a, a lot as well and guy i almost wanted to i wanted to call him zachary taylor because it's it's zach Kleiman and, and taylor jenkins and i'm like no actually it's not uh our, our, the uh, 12th president hero. of the united states or if we yeah yeah no yeah. no it's not the hero of the the mexican war um that's that's pretty good that you knew it was 12th off the top of your head I, I, I would not have known that. I, I can read, tell you the years, but not the number. No, I memorized a bunch of presidential trivia when I was a kid, and I've I've forgotten a lot of it. But it, somehow it retains retains Zachary Taylor. So yeah, uh, give me something on uh, James Garfield. His middle initial was A. <laughs> I thought, are you th- aren't you thinking of Chester A. Arthur? Oh, am I thinking James- of Chester A. Arthur? I think it, it's I think not you're also right. James A. G- a. No, Garfield? no, no. I think I, actually you're right. It's it's Chester A. Arthur. I blew it. I blew it. Uh no, no, you're correct. It is also James. He's a, a G- he's, he's an A also. Wow. Okay. James Abram Garfield, okay, president of the U.S. Uh, but he only served from March till September of 1881. Uh, died two months after being shot by an assassin. Yeah, we had a pretty bad run with assassinations there. I'm, it was every 20, it was every 20 years from from William Henry Harrison in 1840, who was not, he just got sick during the inaugurational ceremony, to Kennedy in 1960. Everyone in that 20 year increment, the president died in office um, until Reagan, who was shot but survived yeah i'm glad we've solved that problem by the way that's that was like getting knock on wood yeah really. you know having like yeah. a 20 percent chance of getting shot while you're the president that that wasn't a very good record in retrospect we kind of uh yeah not, you're now, almost you're almost better off losing and doing the book tour right okay uh but back to uh the memphis grizzlies they, <laughs> they did a very nice job far 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 from the paint here yeah you re- you really don't want to talk about the uh <laughs> although i in fairness it was me who brought up Zachary Taylor. Uh, so uh, Zach Lyman, the GM, Taylor Jenkins, the coach. Uh, Taylor Jenkins has done a really nice job, uh, although you know we'll see. They, they've really struggled defensively this year, but I think he's brought a modern philosophy to these guys. He's played to the strengths of his roster extremely well. They've done a very nice job of drafting with picks that have not really been premium picks, and to find guys like Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain, uh, but you know Clark is kind of he's stagnated a little bit, which hey, that can happen when you draft guys who are twenty three uh, th- that they don't necessarily follow the same ascendancy as when you draft he's nineteen. And I think also they have a lot riding on their move to move up from seventeen to ten and get Zaire Williams. And so we'll see how that works out. Williams hasn't particularly impressed me, but uh, obviously it's very very early. But he was he was a guy who in theory was uh, overdrafted based on, on where a lot of people had him going although of course they would say just like everybody oh well we had intel that he was going to get drafted sooner etc cetera, etc cetera. so I, I think they've done a nice job so far it, the justice winslow thing was a little bit of a black mark as well that was a trade where they just basically took 
gone a ton of dead money, over $20 million in dead money so that they could get Winslow. And they moved Crowder, who was helping them. And they moved Iguodala, who had some value. All of that to get Justice Winslow, who gave them absolutely nothing. Uh, suffered from some injuries, but also may have been... Uh, like, I understood what they were trying to do there, but clearly that that is a move that failed miserably. And you know we'll see about this Valanchunas-Adams swap uh, as well. So I, I think they've done a nice job. I understand a lot of what they're trying to do, uh, but it, it may... They had some early successes, and now they're kind of settling in maybe more as a, as a mid-pack group. So um, it, who else did you have kind of in the top end of, of your top 10, John? Uh, so I'm... Or, sorry, sorry, your middle 10, I should Yeah. Uh, I had Milwaukee here, defending champion. Definitely a uh, track record with some highs and some lows, but I think big picture, um, the Budenholzer hire, getting Brooke Lopez in the door on a minimum originally and then retaining him. Um, yeah, I think, to be clear, I think it, it might have been like three million or something like that it, it was year, but it was it was it was not very much yeah um the Pat Connaughton free agent signing, which again was for, I think it was for like maybe 200K over the minimum, I think was the first year on that first deal he signed there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, ob- obviously worked out brilliantly. So I think that offsets some of the fails with losing Brogdon and not even getting the trade exception for it. Um, and uh, there, there's been a couple other cap moves with them. The Bogdanovich thing, obviously, uh, that have maybe gone a little sideways. Yeah. To their credit, it, it, they, it, they went yeah. out and got Drew Holiday and paid the tax and did what they needed to do to get that team to the next level yeah well so they didn't actually end up paying the tax uh, last year but they did make a very nice move to get pj tucker you know that i that i thought was a a huge move for them they obviously got holiday uh, and they paid a very very significant price to do it but part of the calculation there was that they thought Giannis was going to return and so it's not the end of the world if we trade away basically our whole draft for the next six years uh, and that turned out to be correct. They got Giannis to re-sign. You know, had he not re-signed, and then it, you uh, potentially he could have left, or Holiday could have left. They also apparently, I think, you know, had uh, shall we say a pretty decent idea of the extension that Drew Holiday would be willing to sign and whether he would sign it or not when they made that move. So I think they really crossed their eyes, dotted their T's there. Um, now, you know, this is not an organization where I have a lot of belief in their front office processes and particularly some of the cap stuff fucking up the hard cap with the Bogdanovich move and you know who knows exactly why it was that that ended up falling through but I think part of it was just that they couldn't pay him as much money as he wanted and you know obviously the league got involved then too but yeah uh, you know all of that went poorly I mean just even allowing that to leak they probably were somehow involved in that whether that was uh i don't sure i'm sure they didn't necessarily want it reported but you know it ended up getting out there uh, as well and uh but i i mean i think they've done enough and and then the last thing that they've really answered a question on is being willing to pay the tax so they got out of it last year but this year they are firmly in and they, they are spending more than i expected and i thought they screwed up letting tucker leave and they probably should have just paid him what miami did it sounds like they weren't willing to do that but then they also uh, were able to recover and it wasn't necessarily a money issue that they lost him they just decided they'd rather have george hill and bobby portis instead of uh, tucker which you know I, that wouldn't have been my decision the, but okay the, the initial signing of bobby portis by the way was massive and that was another guy yeah. that signed for nothing 3.6 million uh yeah. and now, then- now worth noting they they also signed dj augustin who was you know that was just a terrible signing and they were lucky to be able to get off of that yeah as cheaply as they did and also use him to acquire tucker and to do that 
that at a very low price. I mean, they moved. What did they move from like thirty three to or twenty five to thirty three or something on that move? And it was swip, swap another first rounder. Yeah, it was. It was essentially sending sending Houston. Houston got a first out of it somehow. It, it wasn't just a move up of eight picks. I thought. I thought it was like the, their first and Houston's second were basically equivalent almost, and they had to swap those so that they could include the other pick because of the Stepien rule. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so the the way they were able to do that was to to do the swap. Yeah. So the, so that was. I mean, that was a nice piece of of management there. So I mean, they've had some hits and they've had some misses. I mean, certainly there were moves that I criticized at the time. Some of them I think still look bad. Other of them ended up looking looking better, and they're willing to pay more. So and you know, I'm not sure how much of the decision making Bud is involved in there as well how much to count him in this I certainly would imagine that he has more power than some coaches do uh but but I mean it, the other thing to say is if Kevin Durant's toe is two inches further back than it was all of a sudden we're not giving them nearly as much credit right and you're for an organization you're supposed to be a little bit more uh you're supposed to be a, a little bit more wide-ranging than that to just say well they won the championship so they must be good yeah i mean they would have knee-jerked into firing bud i think and probably made some other moves um more dramatic moves than, yeah i, I mean i don't know about doing. knee-jerked i probably would have supported that if they <laughs> fired him at that point uh because they should have i mean they, they should have won that series like given who was yeah. available for the Nets, there's no excuse for not winning that series they barely eked it out but yeah um, that's true yeah so so what did you have the bucks at i had him 12th yeah okay i had him at 15 but in the same tier basically mm-hmm. um here's another one that i actually had kind of at the higher end of this tier at, at, at number 12 okay. um and that's the washington wizards okay now, there's a great so, discussion so, i had yeah, i had him third Adam 13th. I had Washington and Chicago grouped together as yeah. like the the up and comers. Like they've done some really good stuff in the last year. The track record of the organization isn't very good at all. And how is this going to play out? Is this just going to be, you know, the one year where it's like a fluke and they finally did things right? Or is it like part of a part of a bigger thing? You have new management in both places with Tommy Shepard and Arturis Karnishevis. And you have some pretty uh, interesting moves that ended up working out i mean in washington's case i i had them higher than chicago also and because turning that john wall anvil dragging them to the bottom of the sea into dinwiddie kuzma caldwell pope harrell and at not that great a cost i mean that that was some sorcery yeah now it's also worth noting that they only did that because Russell Westbrook came, went to Ted Leonsis and asked out. And, and Ted Leonsis, to me, he's put better processes in place now, I think. And he finally moved on from Grunfeld, which was highly necessary. Yeah. And I got a lot of respect for Shepard. I have a lot of respect for the overall organization that they're building there. But also, they don't have the greatest draft record. You know, I mean, Hachimura, Avdia, Kispert as their three first-round picks in the Shepard era. Not great. Isaiah Todd, yeah. first pick of the second round yeah not yeah I mean, you know, todd, todd we'll might do how, something but we'll see how yeah. we'll see we're still in the we'll see stage but initial returns are not promising yeah and i think avidia is probably gonna end up being a decent pick for he, where he was and we'll see you know chris kispert if he if he makes his shots if he's a 40 percent three-point shooter he'll probably be a rotation level player at 15 and that's okay but also not a guy who has a lot of upside and you know there's the did they just draft some international guys so that they can get like international attention you know there's there's a that thing there's the ted leonsis make the eight seed at all costs 
And so I, I do, I feel a little squeamish putting this, um, putting them this high. I think uh, the West Intel Junior hire looks pretty good so far, but that's I'd agree you know, with we're that. talking, talking a month and a half in. And there's nobody really in this group. And, and like, you know, Portland to me would have been higher. We'll talk about them more, but now they've got this whole shade turmoil and who knows what the deal is with Jody Allen instead of Paul Allen. And like all these teams have some warts, uh, I would say. And it's just, it's tough to find one that you really feel great about i mean that's you know i had memphis at 10 and then when we started talking about them i was like oh man this is amazing like do they really have these guys at 10 and now as soon as we start talking about some of these other teams it's like ah, maybe they should be at 10 <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> um before we get to the bulls can we talk about another team because this team falls under i don't know what the hell to do with them sure Phoenix Suns. Yeah, you know, I have the Suns at number 22. Wow. I do do not have them in this tier. And I had them higher, and then I realized this is the organization, not the coach. And I think Monty Williams has done so much for them. You know, if we were ranking them with the coach... You know, I think that rating would be fine. But I mean, number one, obviously, Robert Tover is still there. His basketball track record is absolutely terrible. Uh, and then obviously his personal record is absolutely terrible as yes. well. I mean, to uh, 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 and yes, you know, when we're because our criteria here is who would you want to be running your team? And while uh, as a fan and while certainly uh, parts one, two, three, four of that are winning basketball games. Just a moral, how do you feel about rooting for this guy and giving this guy your money aspect has to play in a little bit there. Right, right, right. I just, I I went back and forth because you watch this team on the floor and you're like, man, this is just, this is just well built. Like these pieces just fit. And, you know, they were able to get Chris Paul for not that much. Um, The JaVale McGee, which I, signing, which I wasn't a fan of at the time, has worked out fantastic. Cameron Payne off the scrap heap the cameron johnson pick which was you know we all i think criticized at the time that worked out well I, to move I, I down draft I him and get no but yeah i, I didn't criticize because i didn't know but i i you know the draft decks weren't yeah with it. and get sarge i mean jay crowder uh with the mid-level i thought was just a perfect fit uh for for everything they had they've definitely made some mistakes the, the jalen smith pick and a couple other moves uh that that yeah. haven't you, you worked just out. wonder about the process with these guys absolutely sometimes. yeah i i think that still comes into play yes and also i don't know if you've heard this but I, i've heard this that they really in terms of just being out on the road and scouting guys that they are the team that does just about the least of that yeah and that's that's come up in an article too i think it might have been arnovitz who wrote a couple years ago certainly i mean certainly that first year james jones was there you did not see phoenix's people on the road i mean because that was my last year with the grizzlies uh i think since then they've been a little more present uh in, in in terms of scouting uh and haven't quite been at that at that level of like where the hell are are they um so I, I think they've invested a little more in the last couple of years so uh, all that i think but just the, the sarver thing too the the ability to uh and also worth noting as well that mikhail bridges devin booker that was the previous regime's work that wasn't this regime's work so yes you know and i i had james jones as executive of the year last year i thought in his if you're just looking at hey what did he do in one year last year to get chris paul was pretty good um at the time i mean there are some other moves like like the TJ Warren move, just dumping him and giving up two yep. second round picks. 
yep. to do that. And, you know, there's some things that were like the Rubio signing I was against that got them to respectability. And then they're able to trade him for Paul. It, I still wonder a little bit about the process there. The the process. Uh, the of, uh, the uh, DeAnthony Melton giveaway. Right. Right. Yeah. That that one to uh, and uh, to keep the cap hold of Kelly Oubre, who again, you know, they were able to trade him for Chris Paul as salary, but it wasn't someone who ended up really helping them that much. So there's a lot of kind of cap gymnastics stuff that didn't really work out that well. Uh, Robert Sarver and paying the tax. Uh, you know, we got a lot of got a lot of questions there. Yeah. Uh, now, I actually I've, I've defended them for not extending Aiton. Um, I, I think they actually are approaching that the right way, but I'm, I'm in the minority on that one. And uh, part of the reason they may be approaching Aiton the way they did isn't necessarily just because it could just be because they are too scared to pay the tax as opposed to just that they want to sign him to a contract that he's worth. So, you know, again, maybe the process there isn't that good. Um, so I just, I, I, I couldn't, and also like Phoenix was in the bottom five for us, I think last time. And so certainly they deserve to move up. And there's another team that I think deserves to move up as well. But I still, that owner rattling around in the back of my mind, I just, I, it, now if Phoenix is still awesome two years from now and the Sarver thing gets uh, taken care of and, and James Jones gets more of a track record. Um, okay. You know, the, then I, then I would feel better moving them up. I just, I can't just cause they've had success for a year and a half. I can't move them up so much over the last. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, so, they're a tough yeah. one because it's just how, like how much are you dragging them down for Sarver? I mean, that, that's what it boils down to. And so, so that, that was a difficult one for me, but yeah, I, I had him 18th, but I just, I, 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 I struggled with that one a lot where some of these others, it was more clear to me. Like, yep, that's, that's about where this team goes. Um, should we talk about the bulls? Yeah, I think so. And uh, again, I, I've it, it's really interesting to me. Uh, another team that's probably from an ownership standpoint cheaper than they should be. Right? There was even reporting yes. that the reason they didn't take Larry Nance in that trade was they didn't want salary for next year when re-signing Levine. They might have to pay the tax, even though Nance is a quality contract. And I think he could be helping them. Although Danny pointed out to me the other day that first round pick plus Derek Jones Jr., who's also helping them now, uh, like that was a good distressed asset to take on. Who someone who's actually is helping them and you know they, they went big on billy donovan as a coach i didn't think he was that good i think he's having a really nice year so far and he'll he'll definitely move up when we do our coach rankings to me assuming they keep playing like this what else do you want to talk about with them well i mean it's you know that first round pick at Derek jones they could probably turn around and trade that at the deadline for somebody like larry nance <laughs> Or or somebody uh, else, but it's it, it sure seems like they need another big there. Yeah, it, it would seem so. But you know, they're doing pretty well with these these small ball groups. So, so we'll we'll see. Um, but but anyway, yeah. And so they were going to do this whole draft and develop thing, and then all of a sudden they accelerated that timeline with Vooch and then DeRozan. You know, I do think that in terms of they're that they're getting beat on the margins of some of these deals where they see the shiny object and they're just like, oh, we got to get that with Vooch yeah. and DeRozan where. You know, I think acquiring those guys, it could make sense if the price is a little bit different, whether it's, oh, you got to take on Al Farouk Aminu's contract if you're going to get Vooch in addition to everything else that you're giving up two first round picks and Wendell Carter Jr. And, oh, now Spurs... Uh, and you know, Demar Derozan, we got. Not only are we going to acquire you, but we're going to pay you uh, 
18 million dollars more than anyone else instead of 10 and we're going to and now that we're doing that we also have to put aminu in this deal to the spurs and now we have to incentivize the spurs to take aminu we're also giving up thaddeus young in this deal as well so we got to throw in a first and a a couple of seconds to get to rosen and so you worry again about the process of just like they kind of all right we they decide they need this guy and i think they've done a good job of identifying their weaknesses as a team and addressing them but they also are kind of just they're i I don't know how good they are at negotiating and that they kind of just like get all right we got to get this guy right so yeah um the 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 derozan deal i think even though they i mean on the basketball side they've clearly won in terms of acquiring him they could have won by a lot more i guess is is how i look at it now uh well and also that there just wasn't another team that was paying him anywhere near what the bulls gave him and so the the need to go to that number was was a little puzzling to me yeah and even for those who have said well hey maybe they were just so far down the road with him that even when his market dried up they couldn't reduce their offer well as early you know DeRozan was talking about going to the Lakers and potentially if the Westbrook thing hadn't happened and so it wasn't like that set in stone as far as what was going to happen you know some of the reporting I think it was Amick who had that that uh I can't remember actually oh no it's Chris Haynes who had the interview with DeRozan who was saying that uh that he could end up with LA uh not that anyone would ever have a discussion before uh August second last year of course (laughs) um but but also i mean let's remember too you know the bulls could keep they're above expectations right now they could keep playing this way uh but then there's also two more years of the derozan contract after that uh, as well and i think this gamble to try to convince levine to stay and he's uh, i think been solid this year too he's proved worth that gamble and so yeah if they go on a a run here of you know being a a team that makes the playoffs not in play play in contention but playoffs contention for the next two or three years i think you can say probably the vooch and derozan trades were worth it maybe they can even add someone else somehow to to get into true championship contention so it's all looking good right now but also we're a month and a half into this DeRozan contract right let's we'll see how I'm not going to give them full credit for just assuming all right this team's going to be awesome the rest of the year quite yeah. yet we've only seen it for a little while yeah the the ball and Caruso additions I think clear wins right right the, the, like the, without yeah. and, and also mark the marketing I mean even even to yet yeah, to get anything for him yes when yeah they never would I mean I guess Cleveland was capped out so they needed Chicago to cooperate to give him the contract he wanted, but still to get anything for him was amazing. Yeah, when they didn't want him anymore. Um, is Patrick Williams any good? Well, we're not going to find out until next year. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I that that question's still lingering back there. You know, yeah. Use what, the what, fourth overall so what pick was on the, him. What was the road not taken with Patrick Williams last year? Uh, I'm trying to piece together the uh, 2020 draft in my so, head. So your next it, here's here's your next four picks. Mm-hmm. Isaac Akora. Okoro, mm-hmm. Anyeko Kangu, remember that they already had uh, Carter in there. Um, although you could say they could have drafted over the top of Carter. Uh, Killian Hayes, Obi Toppin, Denny Avdia, Jalen Smith. Wow. Um, the guy that they you would say, argue they should have taken there maybe would be Halbert, who went all the way down at 12. But yeah, I mean, I would I would rather have Patrick Williams than maybe Okongwu would be a guy I might I might have. I might prefer Okongwu, um, who is just as injured as Williams as the moment. But uh, yeah, but Williams plays a more valuable position. He, yeah, he was a shot. You're taking a shot at that mm-hmm. wing guy. Yeah, he was the only one, I think, who is who is available. Uh 
like that. So, I mean, unless you're going to go down to like Vassell and Tyrese Halliburton, I still, uh, I probably would very seriously consider taking Patrick Williams again at number four. So I, I think, you know, I'll take him over Hayes or Toppin. That's for sure. Okay. That's, that, that's fair. Yeah. Um, e- even if I ha- share your skepticism uh, uh, on Williams, um, yeah, the, the Bulls are fascinating. I, I think it's uh, just, uh, I, I think a, a lot of what they've done and, and just their job of correcting, we've talked about this before, correcting their weaknesses from a year ago has been really impressive. So it, it's oh, looking good for them so far. But. One, one other reason to rate Washington ahead of Chicago, Daniel Gafford. Yeah, that, that was that, that was a weird trade. You're right, where they just, the Bulls just gave up. They weren't even really playing him. Yeah, Remember exactly. That? Exactly. Yeah. They and, just, and now he goes to Washington and he's, and he's starting and, and playing well. Um, who else do we need to talk about in this range? Do we talk about Atlanta that much last time? I think we we hit yeah, on them. Yeah, we did. Yeah, because I had... Amount. Yeah, because I had them sixth. Oh, yeah. So you and I really disagreed on that. I got Atlanta kind of more middle of the pack again. Yeah. But we talked about that uh, last week some. But just to reiterate for those who don't remember, I was, my concern was just that Schlenk is very kind of inconsistent and there are a lot of moves that he'll make that just don't make any sense at all. Um, although there have been fewer of those recently. And uh, also, by the way, I, I pointed this out to Danny the other day. Trey Young, don't look down, actually playing better than Luka Doncic so far this year. I, I don't expect that to continue, but it has. Yeah. Yeah. For a month and a half, that has been the case. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Who's who Who else? Should, should we talk? Uh, oh, actually, I'll leave it to you. Who else do you have in, in this ranger? We're, we've gotten through my first 15 teams. Okay. Uh, I think. And, we, and actually, to reiterate that, Washington 12, Chicago 13, Atlanta 14, Milwaukee 15. Yeah. So we got through mine too, I think, because I had, I had Milwaukee 12, Washington 13, Chicago 14. Um, I had, you know, we talked about, we talked about Boston, right? Yeah. Yeah. You said you had them at 16 yeah i mean i i sort of put memphis at 15 in parentheses just in the middle of the pack just to (laughs) delineate um so the next team on my list would be san antonio who yeah i i have them at 19 and what do you have them 17 yeah who i think if we had done this from i don't know 2000 to about 2018 i think would have been number one like 18 years in a row and uh maybe lost their way a little bit i, th- I think the Trading Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan, I think, was a clear error in hindsight, right? Because they could, instead of really doing a true rebuild, they kind of opted to be half good for a while. And now they're stuck in purgatory with what's basically going to be a 30-win team. And they're going to draft eighth every year and get more guys like Jakob Pertl and Devin Vassell who are fine, but aren't going to change the fortunes of the team. Yeah, that was a, a bit of a Rubicon. And even actually before that, and, and I would say, I think uh, Brian Wright came in there in 2016. And basically after that point, bringing Gasol, they extended Aldridge and then they... The Gasol, the Aldridge extension was weird because they, they picked, and then they picked up his guarantee and then needed to to dump him a year later anyway uh so so that that whole episode was just a little weird yeah so i'm i'm not sure that i i mean i think from a philosophy standpoint i I think that they have struggled for some degree to get more into the modern era i think they 
largely have executed their philosophy that I don't agree with that well. And they still have really, I mean, the biggest thing they've done is draft guys and develop them into quality players. Yes. You know, Murray at 29, Johnson at 29, Vassell at 11 looks like another guy. Derek Pirtle White. Is, yeah, Der- Derek White uh, at 29. Pirtle is higher drafted, but he's developed into one of the, the best rim protectors in the league. Um, so so they've managed, you know, they've managed to find guys like a, a Bryn Forbes. Their offseason this year, other than the DeRozan deal, which was very good. Very and good. Doug McDermott yeah. and Zach Collins paying that, those guys a combined $20 million a year. That seems uh, maybe not the greatest. I actually was okay with the Zach Collins deal. I just I just felt like they needed to take shots like that and they had the money. Yeah. Uh, it's a three-year yeah. deal. Could end up by 23-24. That could end up being a big win for them. So I, I was a little more comfortable with that. McDermott yeah. was... Although they also signed him to like probably play him at the four, right? Like the, to do... They're going back to the old uh, they, the two big thing again. Yeah, right? they, they love their bigs, man. Uh, so yeah, that worries you. Def- de- definitely a little bit of a concern. Uh, bigger picture, I sort of understand what they were doing. I mean, set aside Zach Collins for a second. Their other two free agents were McDermott and Forbes, which is like, can we just please shoot one three-pointer this year, please? And and they're still <laughs> 29th in three-point frequency. So I could, I could at least see what... Uh, you know, Brian and that team were were thinking with those moves. Um, now it hasn't really worked out that way yet. I think on the floor, like they don't really use McDermott the way Indiana did, which has surprised me a little bit. And and he's kind of he's out of the lineup right now, but he's kind of been like deactivated a little bit almost. Which for the for the money they're paying him and the and the role they gave him, I guess surprised me. Yeah, and they've been in a difficult spot because Pop is obviously a legend, and he's he still has the number one say there in that organization now you can say hey that's maybe not the greatest thing for your 71 year old coach to have the number one say i mean because think of what they could have done like they could have had probably for Kawhi a package pretty similar to what uh the lakers ended up getting for or, or ended up giving up for anthony davis maybe not as much in the draft pick realm because remember the number four pick was involved in that trade also that the the lakers got but you know they could have got ingram and lonzo and probably a couple of picks uh, maybe but they yeah it seemed like there was some, even some reporting they wouldn't even engage with the lakers uh, on that Kawhi trade and also that they just they didn't want to go young they wanted to continue to be relevant and maybe there's a feeling you have to do that for pop and it's not fair but i mean hey their team sucks now you know right like there was just the slow burn and decline how about and just throwing Danny Danny Green overboard in the Kawhi trade? That that was the part that yeah. was really bizarre to me. Yeah, and and not getting Siakam, not getting Ananobi in that deal as well. That was that was really poor, I thought. And so uh, all that, I, I mean, and Kawhi. You know, it's worth noting this was before 2019 started, and teams were trading whole drafts for players. Like it didn't work that way back then, and Kawhi was coming off. It's an amazing. And- I mean, having been in the front office in that era, yeah, from you know. From from 15 to 19, let's say, teams were really mindful of that Brooklyn example. Um, excuse me, the you know the Brooklyn-Boston trade right, with right. Garnett and Pierce and had that very front of mind. I think owners had that front of mind too, so it was just harder to sell internally. So even a trade with two firsts was like, okay, but like I better be getting an all-star. I think the one exception here was the Mozgov deal that Cleveland did. And, you know, which won him a championship, and and it was you know. Well, I, I don't know if helped. I don't know if Timofey contributed Mosca. to them winning it. LeBron James definitely.
definitely meant he, he more was, to their championship. It was but. more he he. I would say he was essential in getting them to the finals in 2015 more okay. so than than, than 2016. But yeah, I, I mean, and that was also it, part of why that deal was made was because he was so cheap as well. But yeah, that was and they were they were bad picks, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, no, I, it's a, it's a good point remembering that it was a different time. Also, part of the reason for that was that with the rising cap draft picks cap numbers were lower so they were just generally more valuable and also let's not forget Kawhi was he Toronto gave up what they gave up for him pretty much knowing that he was a one-year rental yeah but he probably wouldn't have been considered a one-year rental going to in the LA exactly exactly all right we're probably spending too much time on this but yeah I think they're just they sort of been in a slow decline and I think you can still count on them to draft and develop unheralded players pretty well we'll see how Josh Primo fits into that shortly but other than that it's hard to really point to a strength they have as an organization at this point in time yeah and i i i think we may be hitting a turning point here because i i this could be pops last season right i mean it's a possibility like yeah. he gets the wins record and says okay peace out yeah but well they they need to start actually winning for him to get the wins record. And yeah, yeah details you know hey they won last <laughs> night um and yeah they're better than their record so far i mean i th- i think they can get he he doesn't need that many right he needs like 20 or something now right I, I think he's going to get there. And I, I think at that point, you know, mastering that succession and getting the the power grid in the organization uh, aligned, I, I think that's going to be really important because I think, you know, once... Then I think we can kind of more fairly evaluate, you know, what what is Brian Wright's impact on all these things versus the people who are there the whole time? Uh, Because I I just think that that will shift more power in his direction. So my number 16 team is the Portland Trailblazers. They've probably fallen, I would say. Yeah, you. So you had them sixth. I'm surprised. I can't believe actually that you had Portland higher than I did. Well, you did. Yeah, I remember you wrote that piece about them uh, developing guys uh, kind of uh, out of nowhere, and and the, obviously the turmoil there with Olshay and the work environment and this investigation, which seems like it's it's going to drag on, and some of the reporting that Jody Allen is just not as into things. There uh, was it their CEO who who just left. Yeah. In part because he was kind of promised a role under Paul Allen and then that, that didn't really happen under Jody Allen. And, and so, so he ended up leaving. I mean, I have no idea whether that guy is doing a good job. He's more on the business side anyway. Um, so, but they also, they, they've been solid, I think. It, they haven't really had just other than the summer of 2016, I think most of their moves, most of their off seasons, I thought they've done a pretty decent job with. And, you know, certainly Olshay is not great with the media. And I, you know, this Billups coaching hire, hard to say that that's really worked out so far, though, again, we're 20 games into his tenure and Dame isn't playing well and all that. Uh, but they, they usually seem to draft reasonably well. They seem to develop guys reasonably well. Seems pretty mid-tier to, to me. Uh, ultimately yeah so i would if if we had if we had done this even six months ago i probably would have given them a mid-tier grade i what i have to move them down is is all this other shit like look they're what they're basically doing is they've they're trying not to pay neil shea's contract right i mean that that's basically what this comes down to uh with with the investigation that's happening there well well, don't worry the uh the gm union will protect him (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) because that's what 
of GMs need it is is a union, right? Like just the, yeah. those poor, poor GMs, like right, it's right down be, there with you know Walmart workers as, as needing a union. It's right? it's going to be a toothless thing, like the coaches' association, right? Where they you know, well they'll send out an angry press release or something, but they, they yeah. can't well, really well, do so anything. Well, so who's who's going to be the Rick Carlisle? No GM should ever get fired. Uh, go <laughs> exactly of this new this new association. Yeah, who's hey? Here's the other question they haven't resolved: Who qualifies for this? You know, there are some teams where it's not like totally 100 oh, yeah. crystal clear. So, oh, I'm sorry. This is actually the president of basketball operations association. So, uh, David <laughs> yes. Griffin, executive vice president of basketball operations, you uh, you do not qualify. I'm afraid. <laughs> exactly. It'll be like uh, you ever remember that show, The Tick, where uh, they they said they said his sidekick and back because he has to go with the other sidekicks. I I can't say I, that I. Okay. Okay. any idea what that all right for is. the four for the four people <laughs> for the four people who watched that show in the 90s here's a little easter egg for you anyway um so it, i digress though it, t- to me the entire organizational structure is on the verge of imploding there because what's going to happen is they're going to push out O'Shea. who's hiring the new gm jody allen who are they hiring uh, oh no no actually uh my Mike Forty is, is going to take care of it. Oh yes, I'm sorry. That's the the search for the executive search firm. The executive search. You're right. You're right. Yeah. That. Yeah. You're right. That is probably what'll happen. Uh. So fun times. Uh. So for that reason, Wait, I who's who's the number two there right now? Bill Branch. He's he's been there a long time. But it's but it's Neil's show. Like even yeah. When you talked with any about any kind of transaction at all with the Blazers, like none of the other guys were involved at all. Like it was totally Neil's show. Um, so that that's going to get really interesting there. And th- I mean, they have some pretty good people on their staff. Um, and you know that I think that's like a relatively common theme as we get to these teams toward the bottom. Like they, they all have some smart people working for them. They just there just are too many barriers to su- to success. Um, so. So how this next step happens in Portland, I think, is a huge question that doesn't really have an answer. And so right now you would have to put them in the 20s. Yeah, I, I had them at 16 just based on the record and, and who's available right now. But yeah, I mean, it, there's you think there's any chance Neil doesn't get fired? I mean, I suppose there's theoretically a chance. I don't know. If the, if the team rips off like a 13-game winning streak, maybe that makes it a you know harder political sell or something. But re- realistically, I mean, I just see like that's, that's where this endgame surely seems to be headed. Uh, so we talked about the Pacers and I will say actually going through some of these other teams might make me feel like I should move them up from 17th. You had them in your top 10, right? I had them 10th. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to move them up actually. I'm going to put them. Yeah, it's it's tough though. They just haven't had that much success lately. I'll put them above Portland at least. There, there you go. You convinced me to move them one slot up. Yeah. So Indiana 16, Portland 17. Um, last group that I had in this tier. Okay. Number 18, the Dallas Mavericks. I had them twenty one, and again, I didn't. Know, I didn't know where exactly to put them because it's a new administration there. Um, yeah. Kid hire, not great, right? Um, Doesn't look like it's going too well so far. Yeah, they, they are playing better defense, but and you know, is it his fault? Luca can't make a shot. Well, actually, maybe a little bit, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, let's let's see what happens with those. I I can't. I mean, but just the the, the reality is, they hired a coach, kind of kind of even maybe before the GM and they hired him because 
because Mark Cuban knew that Jason Kidd wouldn't hurt him, and rather than based on Kidd actually having a good track record as a heck. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, their offseason was fine. They didn't really have a lot on their plate this offseason, though, so there, there's not that much to judge them by. Well, um, well, I mean, they, they had a ton of cap space, and they ended up, their big sign ended up being Reggie Bullock. I guess they, they went for Kyle Lowry, and they ultimately just couldn't convince him to come, which, you yeah. know, that's just, that's just what happens, I guess. Yeah, and I think, we, you know, once, once Lowry was off the table, re-signing their guys and, and operating as an over-the-cap team was the right move. But I think, obviously, Cuban seems to be way over-involved still. All of the reporting that came out yep. with the Bob Vulgaris thing. And I, I have no reason to believe that Vulgaris isn't being true. I mean, some of the shit like Donnie Nelson just like disappearing during the draft and then Nelson getting fired. And there's always there's always some infighting. There's always some palace intrigue. There's always this feeling of, oh, the second most powerful person in the Mavs organization is uh, whoever is doing the Grima worm tongue whisper in Mark Cuban's ear. <laughs> the worm tongue. Yeah. But, you know, from Lord of the Rings, the, the guy who like, it corrupts uh Theoden King and Rohan. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's being controlled by by Saruman. Okay. So you're saying there's there's probably more people who have seen that than have seen the tick. <laughs> Possibly. It's possible. Uh, so, uh, but, but I mean, Cuban at least has enough vision to like try to hire Vulgaris in the first, like as over-involved owners go, he's better than the rest of them. Uh, yeah. And, that's, and so, yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the Nico Harrison hire, I don't know what's going on there either, but th- they've had a relative track record of success, even though there has been all all of it kind of being a shit show. I mean, Cuban has been there since 2000 and he's done a pretty good job, I, I would say overall. They they have good facilities. He's willing to spend. So obviously, you know, the the uh, work environment stuff there is, is a downside that they have at least taken some steps to address that. They were showed a lot more contrition than Robert server if you need to compare um and also cuban wasn't at least supposedly directly involved although obviously was negligent to allow that stuff to occur so yeah uh, i mean again i don't feel unbelievable about this organization but i still would have to put them above some of these other teams that are coming up here that we'll probably talk about it in the next episode yeah i think that's fair so any other teams that were in your top 20 we haven't talked about yet yeah number 19 the new york knicks yeah, I have them at 21, but in a lower tier than the teams we've been discussing, as with Phoenix. I have them in my bad owners, but still kind of okay results tier. Yeah, I think they've, I mean, they're clearly in terms of cap management, uh, they've become much more savvy yeah. and and willing to, to think outside the box and try some different things. Their ability to maneuver on the last two draft nights has been pretty impressive. Uh I mean, two, two drafts ago, they were able to move up. Uh, they made a series of trades that basically ended up moving them up and getting them a pick, which is like, how do you how do you do that, right? That's like a Jedi mind trick. Um, they uh, let's see here. The, they 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 were not the group that signed Julius Randle, but the the other moves they made that that first off season didn't look great, but they mostly seemed to work out. And I, I think even this last off season, they played their cards pretty much correctly uh, in terms of once they couldn't get the big fish, they opted to bring most of their guys out. You can argue they should have brought back. Reggie Bullock, uh, rather than one of the two of the guys that they did bring back, but I think that's more an at-the-margin complaint, which, you know, when you're down here at 19, it's like, okay. Uh, Kemba Walker, even though they pulled him from the rotation, I don't, I don't think that was a bad get to sign him no. at that number. So... 
You know, overall, I think this new regime in New York has done a pretty good job. Uh, Thibs obviously did a great job last year. I think maybe some of his weaknesses are coming a little more to the fore this season, but it's still, I mean, if you had told Knicks fans they would have been the four seed last year and been, you know, probably headed toward another playoff trip this year, I mean, they would have taken that in a heartbeat. Yeah, and it's been pretty much entirely due to moves that this regime has made. Um, Now, the Obi Toppin pick, because he was at CAA that you know yeah that doesn't look too good now Julie, part of the reason that that pick hasn't quote-unquote worked is because he hasn't gotten a chance because Randall is, has been solid the Ran- Randall extension though I mean I was on board with that at the time I think he's been worse than I expected hopefully he'll, he'll start to play better than he has been that that might not look amazing but they're still maintaining some flexibility I, th- I think they're gonna now that they pulled Walker from the starting lineup I think they could go on a little bit of a run here now um resetting Alec Burks who's been awesome this year was pretty good so yeah yeah, in terms of all the moves that they've made since the rose hire if we were only judging them on leon rose and all that they would be higher you just know dolan's gonna come in and screw it up at some point like it's it's completely inevitable is it possible that he won't i i i mean the one thing is that he he actually gave phil jackson room for a while so i wonder if rose will have a window for a while and if he can accomplish enough in that window then maybe that's enough to buffet them against when hurricane dolan blows in yeah i mean well so we i think maybe part of the problem was that with dolan was he came in initially i can't remember exactly when he came in but i think he came in like the you know the end of the van gundy era and you know wanted to put his stamp on things and then they just sucked and because they sucked he just kept feeling like all right i gotta do something more i gotta do something more you know and Mm -hmm. uh, with them always being bad there's a feeling that he he needed to do something and obviously what he would do would be terrible and he obviously seems like a a rather petty man and 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 all that you know personally has issues and all that uh but he is willing to spend and yeah i I think you make an interesting point that he did kind of give phil jackson the autonomy now you know frank isola would tell you that uh that autonomy only went so far because uh phil jackson wanted to hire steve kerr and they wouldn't pay him enough money and that's how they ended up with their fisher and you know etc so but yeah yeah i mean uh, i'll put it's very encouraging that since the beginning of 2020 we haven't had one report about james dolan doing anything we haven't heard anything about him so again if this goes on for another two years uh, you move these guys up you hear a lot yeah. of good things about what they're doing yeah absolutely absolutely um, so, so it's a it's a it's a promising start in new york but they've yeah. had many other promising beginnings crumble. So, uh, all right. Well, speaking of things crumbling, uh, we still ha- have to break away from the organization rankings for a brief period here to rule a team out of the 2022 playoffs. Uh, to refresh, OKC, Houston, and Detroit were mine, and OKC, Detroit, and Houston were yours. So we got three down. It is, I believe, my turn this time. Let me get the old standings in front of me because obviously i prepared exceedingly hard for this segment of the program i think i'm gonna have to go oh this is this is pretty it's it's actually it's actually a little bit more challenging today especially in the wake of last night (laughs) yeah yeah well i when if jonas valanciunas uh hit seven threes a game pels could actually be a former grizzlies legend jonas valanciunas hitting seven threes is he still leading the league in three-point shooting i i I don't know the answer. He was leading it for a while and he went seven for eight last night. 
Well, I, I think there is one more that's pretty obvious, though, uh, before it actually gets hard, and that's the Orlando Magic. Uh, Yeah, we didn't eliminate them already? Oh, no, we did Houston, Oklahoma City, and Detroit. You're right. Orlando actually, by uh, basketball reference SRS, the worst team in the league so far at 4-18. and Worst record in the league now, too, now that Houston's gone on this three-game win streak out of the blue. Yeah, you're right. It's a pretty easy call, huh? <laughs> Yeah, next next week we'll, we'll, it'll get interesting. Um, this team is not making the playoffs. No, and maybe at the start of the year you would have thought they could have defended, hung around. Jonathan Isaac, does Jonathan Isaac still exist? By the way, like he's he's been out for fifteen months now. Yeah, I I sort of expected him to start playing games at some point. Yeah, exactly. I and I haven't really seen or heard many uh, updates. So. Um, no, I mean, I mean, he got he was in the news a little bit for his vaccine stance, but other than that, <laughs> yeah, not not really the right thing. So yeah, yeah, it's been been unfortunate. You know, they've had some positive stuff happen, right? Cole Anthony and Wendell Carter have both been pretty good. Franz yeah. Wagner looks like a keeper, right? Uh, Jalen Suggs has been bad and now broke his broke a bone in his uh, finger, right at the thumb, I believe. Uh, his thumb, and yeah. uh, will be out for a while. A uh, couple of veterans, Terrence Ross, Gary Harris, have been quite bad uh which i think they were counting on them for a little bit more so that that's hurt them a little bit but yeah they're just they they just don't have enough talent right now yeah i mean anthony bomba and carter i think have all actually been a little above expectation and you know sug struggling as much as he did all these rookies actually are are, danny and i did our rookie of the year and looking at some of these true shooting percentages among rookies so far it's absolutely ghastly and Suggs is right up there in the in the low 40s right now and and then as mentioned he's gonna be on ice for a while now with this thumb issue so yeah i i feel a little bit better about the magic than i did at the start of the year in their long-term program but they don't have the bones of a playoff team on this roster right now still they they got a lot more work to do in the draft but they should uh have a pretty decent draft pick coming up uh if uh, indeed they do not say so The, the top three of this draft looks really good so getting into that top three is going to be important this year yeah i'm looking forward to locking in on those guys and 23 is supposed to be really good too like scoot henderson and and wimpy scoot henderson is 17 and is murdering people in the g league and when i was in las vegas to see the ignite i mean he hadn't played a game yet but i had people there telling me like a this guy is good and b this guy has his head on right and is going to be a pro uh why didn't he why didn't he play in their first few games I don't remember if there was an injury or there was some other issue. But if he was practicing with them, it couldn't have been an injury. So it had to be something else. Maybe they just wanted to showcase some of the other guys first because they knew he was going to come out and just steal all the headlines and kill people. (laughs) I guess. I mean, he's he's really shown the difference between like what a what a really high profile prospect looks like in the G League and what like, say, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga look like in the G League. Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't really have the evidence of of what that was supposed to be. But uh, and we're all going to be learning on how to translate these guys out of the G League going for. I mean, it's so interesting that he, you know, because obviously Henderson, for those who don't know, is not even draft eligible yeah. this year. He's at 17. He's already killing people. Um, we'll see how that can do. But I mean, yeah, just, I mean, he looked, just watching a little bit of that 
uh, film for him. He looks like the point guard version of Tracy McGrady out there. He looks nasty. Yeah, yeah. So I'm ex- I'm excited to see him at the uh, at the showcase later uh, this month. Yeah, yeah. I, I may try and make it to that as well. But so that will do it. I hope you all try to make it. We are not doing, of course, Twitter Spaces today due to travel. But John and I will actually be on on a special show on Friday. That's going to be at two Eastern, eleven Pacific on Twitter Spaces. So look for that uh, on your twitter app you can join in ask some questions we'll go about a half hour or so hopefully get a chance to get a little bit more into the weeds on some questions uh, than we normally do since it won't be at the end of the pod we'll just be solely taking questions so uh hope to see you all there on tuesday 2 eastern 11 pacific what'd you write about for the athletic this week before we go yeah uh, i wrote about golden state and phoenix who are playing each other twice this week of the first meeting is tonight so uh i wrote about how they've been able to be so successful this year you know phoenix with the 16 game win streak golden state obviously dominating at 18 and 2 with rosters that are largely the same from last year yeah that, that's an interesting question and one i'm sure that will come up uh, more uh, for us as well uh all right we'll talk to y'all on friday on twitter spaces or next week on the pod till then